Um, this is a um, very timely lesson. Um, the lesson is timely, uh, not just because it's Sunday morning, a little after 9.30, but it actually has a lot of, uh, it's almost a good prelude to our upcoming seminar in less than, what is it, three weeks now? Uh, three weeks. Um, so we're looking forward to having you there as well, too, for our seminar uh, on April the 5th and 6th um, at the at Hampton Inn Stowe. Um, we, uh, you'll see what I mean as we go through this lesson and, and we have the conversation together. Um, thanks for being here this morning again. We're going to go ahead and get started and look to the Lord with a word of prayer. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us to come before you and sit quietly before you right now. We thank you for this opportunity to sit and look at what your word has to say, and not just what it has to say to us as a group, but what it has to say to us individually. Lord, we pray that you speak through the power of the Spirit, through your word, through what's being said, what's being discussed. We thank you for good discussion this morning, and we give you praise and thanks in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right. Well, God, are you there? Lesson number 10. Uh, back at it again here. And the title of the lesson is, I Am Is Here. Now, that may sound like a grammatical issue, but it's not. Um, especially when you're looking at one of God's names that he chooses in Scripture calling himself I am, uh, that is what he wants to be referred to, and that is what we can refer to him as, uh, along with many other names, but this particular lesson is going to talk about I am uh, is here, and I'll talk about God and God's presence in your life and how we see him. Now, Jennifer Rothschild, I think, um, is truly uh, a person who God speaks to and has a very personal relationship. There are people you come in contact with and you look at them and you hear them speak and you say, boy, that person really seems to have God speaking to them uh, on a regular basis, on a consistent basis, and sometimes on a very personal basis that, boy, you just know that that person is being dealt with by God. And Jennifer Rothschild is one of these people as well, too. And I don't, when I speak about myself, I don't think I have any special uh, communication, but some people do. Some people just seem to have this special communication with the Lord. Um, and that's not anything more than God dealing with you as an individual, God dealing with you as a person. God knows who you are. Amen? God knows who he is dealing with because he created you, he made you, and he has a special way of speaking to you. Some of us who are hard-headed, God speaks to us in ways where he's dealing with someone who is hard-headed because he knows that's the only way he's going to get through to you um, because of your hard-headed nature. Um, there were people in Scripture that God dealt with uh, and spoke to them in such a way where he had to deal with them in that type of basis. Moses is one of them, frankly. I mean, I think Moses, even though Moses had a great relationship with the Lord, uh, he also saw Moses' tendencies and had to be patient with Moses on many occasions. Um, 
I think it's a real, real blessing if you have a close relationship with the Lord. Your goal as a person, as you learn to learn more about Jesus Christ, in order to be able to disciple other people, is to be able to speak confidently about your relationship with the Lord, His dealings with you. So your goal is to make sure that you're doing everything you can to grow your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Going beyond the relationship of salvation. In other words, once you become a saved person, you are just beginning your relationship with Jesus Christ. There's much more to do. Just like a new friend. When you get a new friend, you're still learning about your friend. I had a, we had a friend who, who, after we got back from vacation, had to speak to Lynn because she wanted to talk to her about stuff that was going on because we were asking questions about something. And I had deep in my heart, I said, something's not right um, with this person. They were trying to buy a house and we should have heard something by now. And I said, they didn't get the house yet. Something's going on. Um, that was before the conversation took place. And sure enough, that's exactly what had happened. And uh, But... It's good to learn about people over time and give them counsel. Help them along. Help them through. Even if you don't have all the answers, be prepared to speak to them about how God is moving in that situation. And sometimes we have to always come back and look to the fact that no matter how we hard we pursue something or we look to something, if God is not in it, we need to make sure that we don't get ahead of him and try to make something happen. Sometimes God deliberately slows us down to a complete stop to protect us, frankly. Because he's the one who sees. El Roy, that's one of the names of God. He's the one who sees. He sees and knows everything. We don't see and know everything. We think we see things, but we really need his guidance, frankly, when it comes down to making the proper decisions. Let's start at the top of the handout. Have you ever thought, if God is really there, why do I feel so alone? If so, you aren't alone. Feeling abandoned by God, Gideon said, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? That's in Judges 6.13. Heartbroken because her brother had died, Martha said, Lord... If you had been there, here, my brother wouldn't have died. That's John eleven twenty one. We might say, if you would just give me a sign, I would know you are with me. If you would just make this trial disappear, I would know you are here. If you would make today just like my yesterday, I wouldn't be so focused on tomorrow, and I could enjoy your presence. If, if, if. A lot of if statements there. You notice that? If. Now, think about that because these comments that are being made here are very real comments. They're comments that reflect who you are as a human being. We're all human. And sometimes in our moment of need, in an effort to try to gain understanding, you are looking plain and simple, for God to be in your situation. That's what these comments are representing. 
But we need to understand that because of our humanity, sometimes we get clouded with the reality that God has been with us the entire time. He hasn't changed. He's not like the person that you're trying to reach on the telephone and they, you remember the old days when you don't want to talk to somebody on the phone? What did you do? You took the phone off the hook. <laughs> the old days, the old days is that you just take the telephone off the hook. And that way all that you get if you try to call, if somebody calls you is a busy signal. Well, that's not the God that we serve, is it? He's always available. He doesn't have a busy signal when we call on him. Well, I just dated myself, didn't I? Talking about phone off the hook. A long time ago. If belongs to a fantasy future or the past. Is is a word of the present. You get that? If belongs to a fantasy future or the past. In other words, if meaning I wish it was like this. I wish it wouldn't hadn't gone that way. I wish it was like this type. Or if. You know, maybe we can do this if everything works out. That's where that word if comes in. But is talks about today, the now, a word of the present. God is present in your present. So be present in the present where you are. You get that? There's a scripture that talks about that very thing too. Why worry about tomorrow? I'm paraphrasing it. There's enough going on today for you to be concerned about. Let tomorrow take care of itself. Because you've got to get through today first before we can even get to tomorrow. Amen? Amen? We know that to be the case because things happen in the present and we need to be able to deal with those issues as they come up in the present. Now, again, as a reminder, there's no one here that should not be planning for their future. Amen? Everyone should have a dream and a desire to do something in the future. As a future goal, as a future uh, situation, you should be talking about that with your spouse. You, if, you, if you don't have a spouse, you should be planning that stuff yourself. You should be planning for your future. But plans, as you know, change. They do change. And they change based upon what God has put before you. And they're going to change. It doesn't mean that you don't plan, because if you just you know, live in such a way where I'll just go wherever the Lord has me to go, that's great too, but you should be planning. You should have a desire to do more things for the Lord in the future. You should be planning for your life. Uh, just using myself as a personal example, my life after a business career, a life of ministry doing something when I leave my present job. That's my plan. Because I know that's what's going to be best for me in service for the Lord. Now, what the Lord determines is something totally different. But it's good to be ready for that and be prepared for that. And if that means studying for it, you study for it. If it means reading about it, you read for it. You do what you need to do. But we still need to live in the present. Be present in the present where you are. Be present where he is. 
Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Matthew 6, 34. Amen? Everybody agree with that? Now, for some of us, it's almost like put in front of us without, without any exception. There's plenty going on today. And you ain't got to worry about tomorrow because you already know what's in the forefront, what's right ahead of you for the, for the coming day. And for Lynn and I, you know, we, we kind of, you know, people know just from what we've talked about even in Sunday school class, we, there were a lot of days like that where it was just the day itself we needed to get through to do certain things when it came to our parents and, and how to reckon with those things. There wasn't a whole lot of planning involved. A lot of it was just doing what needed to be done. And that's true for a lot of people, actually. As you contemplate the question, God, are you there? Stay present in the present because God is present in the present. Now, she's using that word present a lot there, but look at that again very slowly. Stay present in the present because God is present in the present. He's here where more than two are gathered. He's present. Even if there's just one of you in a place, He's still present. He's here. He's wherever you go. You can't hide from Him. He's always going to be there. Wherever there is, He is there with you. That's what you need to always keep in mind. Wherever there is, He is there with you. You can't take a vacation from God. He's there with you even when you're on vacation. Amen? Amen. Okay, here's Jennifer speaking. Phil and I sat in a coffee shop with our friend David. He shared with us how devastated he was because his wife left him. He was still in shock and utterly heartbroken. Fighting back tears, he said what was troubling him, just as much as her absence was that he couldn't feel God's presence. That's in quotes. When something unexpected happens to us, we can feel an aloneness that startles us. Now, I can attest to this. This is perfect. This is absolutely true. There are times when you feel like you are completely alone and there's no one else around you. And even if you're talking to people, you might be in a, in a crowded room somewhere, sometimes you can feel all by yourself. Even though you're in the presence of a, a dozen people or two dozen people, you can feel alone. And it's, it's surprising it's surprising for a person who's following the Lord all the time and looking to the Lord all the time for something that is very devastating that happens, you can feel like you're all by yourself. Anybody else agree with this or have a comment about this? Okay. 
I didn't know if you had a comment. That's why you said, yeah. That's why you answered my Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's just being honest with who we are, isn't it? We're all human beings. We are not robots. We are not programmed to do things other than just be human beings. You have feelings. You have emotions. And those emotions drive, in many cases, our behaviors. We have to be conscious of that. And emotions driving your behavior in many ways is good. When we're talking about having an intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, it should be an emotional relationship. Not one that's just like, eh, you know, hey. It should be an emotional relationship. It should make you think and stop and think some days and just say, praise God. Moment by moment, if you really have an intimate relationship with him. So when you don't have that, when you don't feel that, that can be very surprising and make you feel like you're really alone. Even when other people are around you. Even when you're having conversations with others. Other people, a lot of people don't know your business. You can't share everything about you to every person you come in contact with. But you can share those things with the Lord, with God himself. Have you ever felt that God was absent in your circumstance? If so, what was it like? Think about that. What was it like? Well, we can say that in some cases, it can trigger, if you are, have a disposition for it, to get depressed about it. It can trigger depression. Not necessarily for all people, but for some people it may. Feeling alone is one of the most, I don't want to say well, miserable, it's a miserable feeling. It's a miserable feeling. If you really understand what that means. Here's my comment. Something to keep in mind as you think about this. You can still feel that God is absent even in a crowded room. Life events and circumstances can overwhelm your sense of his presence. You know how you come to church every Sunday. And a lot of people just come to church and they don't really communicate with other people. Don't assume that everybody that you come in contact with is really, really has it all together. That would be a very bad assumption. I wouldn't expect you to ask a person who's not communicating with you, you know, all kinds of probing questions. You can just go up to them and love them and hug them and do whatever and let them know that you are loved and God loves you without getting into any personal business. Let me tell you something. Move by the Spirit. Move by the Spirit. You don't know how much words like that can help somebody through a tough situation. If they don't say a word to you, 
moved by the Spirit. As people who are discipling others, the Spirit should be leading you in every situation. Amen? Every situation. Home, work, whatever. Move according to the Spirit. If the Spirit says go up and talk to somebody, go up and talk to them. Say some words to them. Be kind to other people. You have to remember, a person who feels like they're alone, they're looking for kindness from somewhere, from somebody, while they work their way through it. Oh, who had their hand up? I'm not, I didn't see anybody put their hand up. Yes. Whoever wants to say something, go ahead. Amen. Amen. I don't think you can I don't think I can understate enough what Ed is saying is 1000% correct. If you are sensitive to the spirit and if you're in ministry, you're going to know exactly what he's talking about here. Sometimes the spirit will give you something that's like you don't really quite know where it's coming from, but you know you need to be acting according to the spirit. This is in the midst of your day whatever you're involved in. And God is in the present because He sees your pain and your struggle. And He will send people along to encourage you. You just had to be willing to listen and look. Took the phone off the hook. But I understand by taking the phone off the hook, 
That's right. Today, the equivalent of that, of course, is turning your phone off. Amen? They can't call you if the phone's off. You can press do not disturb or turn your word, turn it off altogether. Yeah. Do not disturb. Yeah, you can keep your phone on, put do not disturb on there. You're right. You can still do it. It doesn't necessarily make it right. But we need to understand, everybody understands taking the phone off the hook because there ain't nothing you can do about that. Everybody gets that. Okay. Now, the sons of Korah knew the feeling. Go to Psalm 44:24. The sons of Korah are fascinating to look at. And remember when we had a conversation about Korah? Um... And his rebellion against Moses and what happened to him. And basically what happened to him is that he got destroyed. Well, the sons of Korah is the surviving members of the family. And they became devout followers of God. But even they were looking for an answer from the Lord and were calling out to him. What did the sons of Korah ask in Psalm 44, 24? It's just one verse. It says, Why do you hide, speaking about the Lord, and forget our affliction and oppression? You know, when things are good, we don't call on the Lord like we probably should. But when things are bad, it's like, oh my goodness. You want to know where the Lord is. Is he there? Do you see what's going on in my life? My wife just divorced me. Do you see what's happening? What is going on? What am I supposed to do about this situation? Lord, do you understand and see what's going on right now? Well, that's what the sons of Korah were asking here. Why do you hide? In other words, if you're hiding, it means that you're not trying to be found. You get that? If you're hiding from someone, you're trying to get away from them. You ever walk down the street somewhere and you see somebody and you don't want to talk to them? What do you do? You, you, you either duck down. <laughs> you, you duck down an alley. Maybe if I go behind this car, they won't see me. Something weird like that, you know. I don't want to talk to so-and-so. Well, you're hiding. You don't want to be seen. Well, that's what the sons of Korah are asking here. They're, they're thinking the Lord is hiding from them. Now, we know that's not the case, but we don't. when stuff is going on in our minds, our, minds are, our brains are being reprogrammed. When we're going through a hard time, we know the Lord is supposed to be there, but then all of a sudden it's like, where are you, Lord? (laughs) 
in the same chapter, what did they say covers them? Go back to verse 19. But you have crushed us in a haunt of jackals and have covered us with deepest darkness. Look, look at me when I tell you this. When you're depressed, that's what you feel. Even if it's bright sunshine outside, you feel like you're being covered in darkness. And in this case, a haunt of jackals. What are jackals? They're like wild dogs or whatever it is. Hyenas. Okay. And the haunt of jackals means like they're not attacking you, but there's always a threat. They're haunting you. Very, if you, words mean things, everybody. When you look at what Scripture is saying, and you're looking and articulating what the writer is trying to tell you, these are very real feelings and emotions that people can experience in a very dark moment of their lives. When you are counseling other people, be sensitive to this. If you don't see any of it, it doesn't mean it's not happening for the other person. You've got to understand that. Sometimes scripture gives us clues as we learn about what people are going through to be sensitive to what they're experiencing. Now this is written on paper. What is being, what the sense is that they are experiencing. The sons of Korah asked God why he was hiding in their time of affliction. They compared their heartache to being covered by the shadow of death. That's from the NASB version. The shadow of death. And honestly, you've got to understand something. There is a reason why we had to be sensitive to people who are suicidal. Because what's happening is Satan is trying to get them to take that step. Saying whatever they're going through is not worth going through and you need to just get out. It's a very real thing to counsel someone through a tough time. It doesn't mean that everyone is suicidal, but I'm just kind of giving you these words here. The shadow of death, that's a pretty intense statement. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. They got you that through that eight hours or whatever it was. I got you. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, it's absolutely important. It may be the most important thing you learn this whole class. It may be the most important thing you learn this whole class. 
if you keep praying for God to use you, and you're looking for some dynamic way for him to use you, stop. It may be as simple as you just listening to him and saying, go talk to so-and-so. Go have a cup of coffee with so-and-so. It may be that simple. And guess what? You're being used by the Lord because you're doing exactly what he would have you to do, being obedient to him. Everybody can't be a preacher. And frankly, some of you don't want to be a preacher because you have to be enabled to be a pastor or a preacher. It's a very special calling. Not everybody can do that. But you can be the best person that God chose you to be only if you accept what he's given you. There's no limitation there. You can be the best person that God selected you to be. This is not a motivational speech. This is fact. This is fact on how God created you. Every one of you can be the best person you can be if you choose to be that in the Lord. The shadow of death. Where else in Scripture can we find the phrase, the shadow of death? Write it down. You can say it out loud too. The 23rd Psalm. Psalm 23. And we'll look at that. We'll be turning to that later. But that's where we see that phrase. What phrase would you describe, would you use to describe a hard place you have experienced where you felt God's absence? How would you describe it? This is a very, very, this helps you to be able to reckon with this thing. If you have an issue, well, let's say you have an issue with depression. You need to be able to articulate to yourself what it is you're going through when you're having depression. Now, I can speak on it intimately. And some of us, even though you may not be diagnosed as having clinical depression, you still get depressed. So you don't need to, you know, be ashamed of that. That's part of life. Big Jim was absolutely correct what he said. There are moments you feel like you're alone. Well, that's a form of depression. But it's not a diagnosable type thing. It's what we all go through. Emotionally, we all have highs and lows. But to best be able to deal with those highs and lows, you need to be able to articulate to yourself what exactly is going on. You need to encapsulate it. Now, what some of us do, which we should never be doing, is if we get depressed, we start drinking. Or we start getting high. There's a lot of that going on. Well, that doesn't solve the problem, does it? You don't even know why you're messed up, but you're going to get yourself more messed up. Now, we're laughing a little bit, but it's true. A lot of us who are not mature, 
You have to understand there are a lot of non-believers who are not mature enough to understand and about a conversation we're having right now about being able to deal with these issues. The first thing they want to do is medicate. Self-medicate. First thing you do when you get a headache usually is take an aspirin. Well, that's appropriate. You can take an aspirin. Your headache may go away eventually. What phrase would you use to describe a hard place you've experienced where you felt God's absence? There's a tick list here. Being stuck in a pit of despair. Traveling on a highway to nowhere. Holding on to a rope with a frayed knot. Treading water with no shore in sight. Alone in a dark room with no window or door. Or other. Now you can check those off personally. Any one of those things may be true for you. But that's an emotional response that you have to a tough time. The ones that kind of stick out with me. Alone in a dark room with no window or door. When I was at, when I was at my worst of depression, I didn't get out of bed. And the room was dark, even though it was light outside, because you pull all the shades down. Because that best simulated what was going on in my own mind. So that last one there before other makes a lot of sense. These are very real things that people experience. Did you notice most analogies we use to describe our hard times usually are singular in nature? They involve just one, us, or in this case, you. We feel alone like God isn't there. What contrasting statement of truth does David make about God's presence in Psalm 23:4? Let's go to Psalm 23. The 23rd Psalm is a beautiful psalm. Amen? It's six verses. It's six verses. But in verse, 20, verse 4 of Psalm 23, there is a contrasting statement of truth that David is making in this psalm. Pick up the contrast. Even when I go through the darkest Valley, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Version. Your King James Version is going to say, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Amen? Okay, we're, we're all on the same page here. I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Well, let's face it. All we really are asking for when things are not going well is God to comfort us. That's the very least thing that we would like to have is his comforting presence. It doesn't mean the situation has changed one inch. But we still want his assuring, comforting presence. 
That's what we're looking for from Him. The contrast is that I'm going through the darkest valley. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going through this. I am still present in that valley. And yet, I don't fear any danger where we should be fearing danger, but we don't fear danger anymore because we recognize God's presence. Your rod and your staff. What does a rod do? What did you have to use when you had your foot injured? You had to use a cane. Well, I would say it was a staff because that thing was the biggest thing. I, you, could, you could kill somebody with that thing if you hit them. It was used to help me walk. Exactly right. That's all it was there for. That's right. I mean, there might have been other purposes, but that's not what I used. Well, okay, yes. We appreciate that. I know. But that was a big stick. If anybody remembers that thing. Well, he's equating God's presence to being a stabilizing force. To help you to be able to move forward as you're walking through that valley. Do you get that? He's the one who is enabling you to get through that. And it's a comforting presence. And one thing about a staff, too, is that, you know, if somebody tries to mess with you, you can hit them with it. <laughs> but that's not... I, 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 all right, never mind. Absolutely not. I'm just messing with you. Okay. It's a stabilizing presence, a stabilizing force. God stabilizes us through those moments when we are so initially terrified, but when we recognize his presence, he quells that. He enables you to get through those tough situations. Still walking through that valley, though? Yes. Psalm 43.2. Okay. I wanted to repeat that for everybody so they could hear that. That's another great passage about, look at all the things that, you're, all you're seeing is, well, everything that was described there, all you're seeing is danger around you. Get that? All that you see are stuff that are obstacles. You're like, you're on the water. The worst feeling in the world is that if you're out in the water, you don't see shore. And you're drifting along. The guys who got rescued off of the ice flow, they were ice fishing yesterday. A hundred people were on an ice flow. It was too warm probably to do ice fishing, which they all said after the fact, but the ice flow had broken away, and guess what? They were floating. Initially, some of them panicked. Some of them calmed down because they had their cell phones, were able to talk to people on shore, but ultimately they all got rescued. I guess with pontoon boats. But the first thing they were doing when they finally realized they were on one guy who they had spoken to the media, when he was back on dry land, he started shaking. He said he knows how it could have ended. It's the worst feeling in the world. You do not want to be out on Lake Erie when that, yes, when the, when the lake is warm and it's, your ice is breaking apart, what's going to hold you up? You can be the best swimmer in the world, but you ain't getting to shore. 
with hypothermia. You have to understand that sometimes those sometimes some people live those very feelings out and they went and they recognize, boy, praise the Lord, I got through this. Okay. Did I hear the second bell? Okay, that's a good stopping point. <clears throat> we will pick up next time. I want you to think about what we talked about today. About the takeaway today, be sensitive to other brothers and sisters in Christ. Say kind words. Let the Spirit speak to you as to how you deal with those individuals if they don't say a word. Because sometimes they're not going to say anything. They're not. They're just not going to do it. A lot of people get embarrassed when stuff is not going well. If they think, for whatever reason, that church is a place where you just, you have to be feeling good all the time, and they, they get embarrassed about that. They don't want to do that. Just be sensitive. Let the Spirit speak to you. Be sensitive to what the Spirit is saying to you. And if you do need help, if you do need to talk to somebody, let the Spirit give you the person to talk to about what's going on in your life. That's important too. You don't need to be telling your business to everybody, but the Spirit will give you one. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your truths. We thank you for how you articulate to us in Scripture very, very important things about what people experience at times. Thank you for reminding us about living in the present because you are always present. Thank you for helping us with that truth. Thank you for showing us that you truly don't hide from us, that you actually beckon to us and you call to us to reach out to you. No matter what we're going through, thank you for the reminder of Psalm 23, 4 about how we can walk through the toughest times in our lives and yet your presence comforts. We thank you for that. We thank you for helping us learn from our pasts as well too. That we can live in the present and prepare our way for the future. Having a life with you in all that we do. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time.